Are you ready? Let's grab the syllabus again. Dinner with the Gentiles, week eight. Let's read it together. And it says, Peter and Paul having dinner with fellow Christians, and this is the setting of both Jewish and Gentile descent. Paul made room for the Gentiles at the table, but Peter chose not to eat with the Gentiles out of fear of criticism from the Jews. Paul reminds Peter that when we are born again, you are no longer under the yoke of the law, but there is no longer Jew or Gentile, but we are all one in Christ Jesus. If you believe that, say, I believe that. I believe that. Grab your Bibles, Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2. In the New Living Translation, for the means of explanation, we're going to read this. I want you to get your pens out. If you write it in tablets, if you won't, don't want to do that and you're better listening, you're an audible learner, that then go back and uh, download the app and listen it to in our podcast. Uh, go back and watch it on our YouTube channel or go back on Facebook. You can watch the video again. It's up to you. But we want you to understand that we learn by repetition. And, and I'm going to give you one word of advice. Don't believe anything I say. Write down the scriptures. And you can feel it. If you feel a witness during church, you can respond. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying write, take down notes, go home and study, verify it so you can grow. Right? Never go to a church and just say, okay, that's good enough for me. As long as he said it, I believe it. Go home. Take your notes, read your Bible, pray about it, and watch God confirm these things and grow you. But if you do like what you feel and what you taste when you're in church, so I, I do appreciate a good hallelujah and amen or a preacher, Pastor Bobby, every once in a while. Are you going to get with me this Sunday morning? How many of you are going to help me preach a little bit and teach you? Galatians chapter 2, it says, in fact, James and Peter and John, who were known as pillars in the church, recognized the gift of God that God had given him, given me, and they accepted Barnabas and me as their co-workers. This is Paul speaking. They encouraged us to keep preaching to the Gentiles, and while they continued the work with the Jews, because Paul was called to the Gentiles, and Peter and them felt called to the Jewish people. Their only suggestion was that we keep on helping the poor, which I have always been eager to do, Paul says. When Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face. If you think the Bible, the Bible doesn't have drama, here it is right here. Thought the Kardashians were bad. It's Peter and Paul getting after it in front of everybody right now. When Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face. And what he did for what he did was very wrong. When he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile Christians, a Jew eating with the Gentiles who were Christian. They were not circumcised. See, that's what the problem was. Peter was still hanging on to an old system, an old method, an old covenant. But afterwards, when some friends of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. Hmm. He was afraid of criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. See, they were trying to connect two worlds, an old covenant with a new covenant. You can't do that. God came to establish a new covenant to do away with the old covenant, an old system. If you study the Bible, that's what it says. And, and so the scripture says it right here. 
But afterwards, when some of the friends of James came, Peter would not eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of the criticism. 13, as a result of the other Jewish Christians, as a result, other Jewish Christians followed Peter's hypocrisy. That's what religion will do. It will cause hypocrisy. And even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. Even Paul's ministering partner, his teammate, he got swayed by that because fear can impact you and peer pressure is not good. And when I saw that they were not following the truth of the gospel message, I said to Peter in front of all the others, since you, a Jew by birth, have discarded the Jewish laws and are living like a Gentile, why are you now trying to make these Gentiles follow the Jewish traditions? You and I are both Jews by birth, not sinners like the Gentiles. It's like, wow, that, that kind of stung too, I bet. I mean, he's like had a two-edged sword here, right? Hit the Gentiles, I'm going to hit the Jews. Paul didn't care. <laughs> you and I are Jews by birth, not sinners like the Gentiles, yet we know that a person is made right by God by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law. And we have, watch this, and we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ. Not because we have obeyed the law, for no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. But suppose we seek to be made right with God through faith in Christ, and then we are found guilty because we abandoned the law. Would that mean that Christ has led us into sin? Absolutely not. Rather, I am a sinner. If I rebuild the old system of law, I already tore down. In other words... You think by following an old system that you're going to be made right with God when God created a new system? He's trying to tell Peter, you and I came from the same heritage and background. The Gentiles know the new system better than we do. And yet we're trying to get them to live like us. But how can you get them to live like us if you don't want to hang out with any of them or be with them or embrace them? Because here's what happens. When you still have a residue of religion in your life, we begin to pick and choose the people that God didn't. That's not our position. It will hurt us. Here's what we're going to talk about this Sunday morning, and I'm going to try to do it very quickly so you have to pay attention, if you will. And, and we're going to be talking about how to get delivered from religion. You may not even know that you have religion in your life. If you walked in here already and you're kind of like, I don't know about all this. These people raise their hands and they, why is they crying over there? There's nothing to cry about. I mean, that you may have a little religion. Because you really don't know, just like the disciples, they couldn't understand Mary's disposition when she broke the alabaster box at the feet of Jesus because she had been forgiven of many sins. You really don't know what people go through. Only God sees the heart. But if somebody wants to worship, and if somebody wants to surrender, and if somebody wants to be part of a church that's spirit-filled and embrace it and, 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 and just hug, the, you know, you can feel God. Then we need to break every barrier that limits our worship and just be what God's called us to be. How many of you really want to press in and say, Lord Jesus, I want it all. I want it all. 
Everyone say, God bless this sermon. God bless this message. And help me to understand it in Jesus' name. Somebody, one more time, just to wake up, give the Lord a hand clap and tell him thank you ahead of time. Just tell him thank you. Thank you for a good word. Thank you, Lord. And you can be seated. God bless you. Thank you for standing and being here. If you'll get with me, I'll be fast. Okay. The church mouse just said, amen. Am I in the right church? Oh, I know what it is. It's summer vacation time. That's what it is. The summertime blues. How many of you really were up late last night, to be honest with me? I know I was even late up late last night. How many of you have been up because it's summertime and you're like, man, let's just, let's just Netflix it. Turn to somebody and tell them, wake up, you're in church. Wake up, wake up. You didn't want to get involved. You should have stayed in bed and watched online. So the Apostle Paul begins to write uh, in front of everybody. I mean, he's letting everybody know their business, right? That's why I joke around sometimes and always use the Jewish culture and the way they, their mannerisms and kind of swap it out for, for the Latino culture. Because that's something a Latino would do, right? I told you, Paul, listen, man, right? Latinos are like that, right? I mean, I don't know how your, everyone's culture is different. But the Jewish culture and the customs for that, they love to argue, always debate and argue. And, and, and Paul was very bold. Paul was the type of individual when he knew he was right and he knew according to God's word, he would call something out. He was an apostle. So this, this wasn't any kind of drama. These were two apostles that were called, one to the Gentiles and one to the Jewish nation. But you see, poor Peter, he was just a fisherman. Peter was a fisherman who, who, who just came out. He, he, he earned his stripes through prayer, through a lot of failure, a lot of opening up his mouth when he should have just been listening. And I'm sure he learned a lot being with Jesus. But the apostle Paul sat at the feet of Gamaliel, and he was a Pharisee. He was educated. He knew the law inside and out. He knew the system very well. And when the apostle Paul began to recognize some things, he noticed he used the system and explained it to Peter. Even at one point in the scripture, Peter writes and says there are some things that Paul writes about that are hard to understand because he was just educated in that way. But when you got the word combined with the spirit and there's an, a man that's anointed or an individual that, that has used the word of God very skillfully and has knowledge and understanding and he stands on it, it's hard to argue with God's word. I, I don't argue with God's word. There's been a lot of people that have really asked me in the past couple of years really and a lot of other pastor friends and it's been a discussion among friends in, in the ministry about the culture about you know what do we think about about gay pride or homosexuality or or the culture or progressive Christianity and all these different topics that are popping up and, and my response many times is I don't have an opinion about it because my opinion don't matter but I can tell you what God's word says your opinion doesn't matter. It's what God's word says. 
And so we can almost draw boundaries and lines according to our own thoughts, and we can also become religious without having Bible. Being religious does not mean that you have to follow the Bible. We can be very religious in any habit that we have. Like, for example, how many of you religiously take lunch every day? Huh? How many of you religiously drink coffee every morning? How many of you religiously never miss dinner? I'm just saying you can form a habit and you can do things systematically and never miss it. And you can be religious. But, but when it comes to the word of God, if there's a defining moment in your life where you can carry over bad habits you learned from an old system. I think almost all of us here, if you weren't raised in church, if you weren't raised in church, you probably came out of a denomination. You probably came out of... You know, some maybe just being out in the world, as we call it, church jargon, you know. Uh, you weren't raised in church. You were what we call unchurched. But how many of you can agree that even with transitioning to more of a spirit-filled environment, this is what we are, uh, we're non-denominational. We just call ourselves non-denominational, meaning that we don't associate in the sense with a particular doctrine of an organization or We've not stopped on an understanding or enlightenment in the scripture and built a denomination around it. That's how denominations are formed. They get a revelation, something in the word of God, and they give everything they have to protect it, and that's their identity. They're known for that. We've taken the approach of becoming non-denominational so we can live by the Bible, understand the Bible, and continue to grow without limits. But it has to still be the word of God. But there is a point where all of us, even if you were raised in church, you have your old nature. Whether it be from the world, from a denominational belief, a religious system, or from your old habits, there's a part there in your life where you have to transition. And during that transition, you're going to find, according to God's word, it's the old nature, the old man taking on Christ. Our ultimate destination is, be, is to become like Jesus. Through the power of the Holy Spirit to be converted. See, this is what happened to Peter. Jesus looked at Peter and he said to him, Peter, when you were young, you walked wherever you wanted to walk. Did what you wanted to, and I'm paraphrasing. He said, well, but when you're old, Another's going to take you by the hand and take you places you would have never gone yourself. And he said, Peter, when you're converted, strengthen your brothers. He had to go through a conversion stage. Theologians say that it actually was a period of 14 years before, I think they spent 14, or there was 14 years when the Apostle Paul had met Peter. Years of preparation, and then they came together because in the scripture I read you, it said that the apostle Peter had accepted the ministry of Paul and Barnabas. Paul had to go through transition in his life. Paul came from the person who persecuted the church to a person who was building the church and protecting the church. There had to be a transition there. There had to be something left in his spirit. Something that was a thorn in his flesh, possibly an old mindset, an old guilt, shame from putting Christians to death. I don't know what the thorn in the flesh was. Some think it was an ailment. I don't know. All I know is, is that it was something from the past 
or something that was bringing him down. But nonetheless, God said, my grace is sufficient for you. God's spirit is enough. It's the spirit of God that converts us and transforms us and makes us new. You don't become new just by making a confession. You become new by living out this walk. That's the transformation. A lot of Christians stay at the cross and won't make it to the burial or the resurrection. Jesus did not just go to the cross for us to stay there. That's the act of repentance where the blood is applied. But water baptism is a type of burial. Well, the old man is buried and the new man is raised back to life. But there was a resurrection that God intended for the church where he poured his spirit out so you can be empowered by the same spirit that raised up Christ from the dead. And the scripture says that that same spirit that was in Christ is in you. The same will resurrect you at the last day. Somebody say amen. I agree with that. If you do. There is so much to be said about this when it comes to conversions. But where we're living in right now in the church, there just seems to be a lot of religion. I really do believe if we're going to make room for God and we're going to see God do what he's promised in the last days and the moments on this earth, the way things are looking right now, it doesn't look very bright for us on planet earth. That's why you got to have hope in the life to come. You must teach your children that heaven is real. You must teach them. I have a conversation with my boy all the time. I tell my youngest boy, son, don't be afraid to die. There's a life after this. We got to stay prayed up. We got to stay prayed up and prayed and studied up. And, and you know one thing, son, you got to understand that God is real. Jesus is real. His presence is real. And we're going to live with him forever. I don't know how long you're going to live, but I know one thing. We're going to live forever in eternity with Jesus Christ. That's a conversation that needs to be had. It doesn't put a little bit of a, a, a pessimism inside your relationship or your family. But every family needs to know, like Paul said, if we have hope in this life alone, we are of all men most miserable. This life is so short. This life, nothing's forever but God. And that's the reality and the transition that has that you need to understand. That's the revelation that every single one of us has to understand in order to make a proper transition from an old life to a new one. That nothing's forever but God. We've said it a hundred times here, but there's nothing more important than, than, than taking your entire family to church with you because that's all you can take. That's why our number one value here is family. It's all about the family. It's about growing in your marriage. It's about growing in your relationship with God. It's about growing and you teaching your children. It's about your children having a relationship with God. It's about having a good conscience towards God and understanding that he loves you. And it's more than just rules. It's not about religion. I want you to understand here that the apostle Paul was trying to tell Peter, you're trying to establish an old system and by encouraging circumcision. That's what the issue was. Now, if you read Romans, Romans actually tells us that there's a new circumcision 
that's in the spirit of the heart. That's an operation by God. The heart gets circumcised now because circumcision was a sign of covenant. God established it with Abraham. But in the new covenant, under a new agreement, relationship with God and his people, he would circumcise the heart. It was all about the heart. And really what Jesus came to do, not to do away with the law, but to help us fulfill it and obey it and not have the pressure to live under it. See, there's a difference between living under the law and there's a difference between the hand of God guiding you through, through obedience. You understand what I'm saying? Let me give you scripture. Number one, let me tell you, God will put his law in our hearts. God will put his law in our hearts. Jeremiah 31 and 33, let me explain what I just said. This is Jeremiah prophesying from the Old Testament concerning a new covenant that was fixing to come. And this is what the Apostle Paul, I believe, where his mindset came from. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write them on their hearts. Did you notice that? And I will be their God and they shall be my people. But listen to what he said here. I will put my laws in their minds and write them in my heart. Do you remember when Moses went up to the mountain? How many of you remember that when Moses went up to the mountain? What did he come down with? The law. They were laws that were written on what? Stone tablets? Do you remember how those laws were written? The scripture says that God's finger himself came down and inscribed on those stones. Hardened stones. I believe that that was representation of an old covenant. God trying to get people, his people, to follow his laws. They were hardened in their hearts. But now the same verbiage is used again under a new covenant. And God says this time it's not going to be written on hardened hearts. I'm going to write them in their spirit, in their heart. His own finger. So God will put them there. So what actually happens is God's spirit. You know, how many of you know that you can't separate God's spirit from his word? How many of you know that? Raise your hand just so I know you're. Okay, well, well, here's the deal. Did you know that when you have the spirit of God moving through your life, that that's mixed in with the word of God? And he puts a desire in your spirit, and it causes you to obey him and follow after him where you keep the law. How many of you are here today, and you love the word of God, and you pray to God because you love him, not because you're fearful of him? Did anybody, maybe the younger adults, maybe the kids, maybe little kids, maybe your parents scared you? Nobody ever had the chancla taken out and... Nobody ever, I mean, I grew up Latino, the, the chancla was the thing, man. You didn't mess around, because back then, those chanclas were made out of wood. I don't know, if y'all don't know nothing about that. My daddy used to take the belt out and do the, anybody here? Anybody go through that? I'm just saying, I grew up old school, man. That's how my family raised me. We didn't listen. That was it. That's how my kids got to church. Now, they love church now. I'm joking. I drug him to church. 
That's right. They grew up with a drug problem. But they love God now, and they're all in ministry. They're all serving with us in God's house. That's right. What I'm trying to say is ultimately that when you do come together to God's house, sometimes we don't want to come. I'm going to be honest with you. We all woke up this morning saying, I wish I could sleep longer. Most of you men saw a brisket or some ribs on the barbecue pit when you woke up this morning and thought, hmm, maybe I can just tell my wife, how about I cook dinner for you and you go to church and I'll have it ready for you when you get back. Oh, you never used that excuse before? I'm the only one? Some of you think I'm joking. I'm just telling you that this flesh would do everything it can, and it, it's the rebellious part about us, to not comply, to not hold the word of God. We have a choice, and the choice has to be made. And the apostle Paul was trying to tell Peter, you've got a choice, Peter. You can give in to what the peer pressure is saying to you or doing to you and be misled because of an old mindset, an old habit, an old religious mindset, Whatever it is, it's lingering there, and you've got to be delivered from it. You have to decide in your mind, when you make up your mind, I'm going to obey God rather than men, then things begin to change. Did you, did, did you hear me? I, let me say it again. I, you, when you decide in your mind, we're going to follow after God, we're going to go where the Spirit of God is, and we're going to obey God rather than the peer pressure. Rather than what's popular, rather than where you look good. Some of you don't get what I'm trying to say. Don't let the building fool you. Don't let the car fool you. Don't, let, don't judge a book by its cover. I'm going to tell you that when God was his most powerful in the life of Israel, he was in a tent made with animal skins. It wasn't what was on the outside, it was what was in the inside, and that's the way you and I are. So you can't judge a book by its cover. That's why you can't judge somebody and think that they're right with God and not right with God. You have to look at everybody and say, you know what, Jesus died for them. Because that removes the judgment out of our own lives, because many times that same mindset comes over and it limits us. And what happens is, we begin to say, hmm... I'm not good enough. I failed. But let me give you another point. God's grace empowers us. God's grace empowers us. God will empower you. And the Apostle Paul, once again, to expand on that scripture, the lesson and the takeaway from this is, is that when you look at this, he wasn't saying to Peter, Hey, you know what? We're not under the law. Do what you want. He was saying to him, we're under a new system. Just be obedient. Love them. Accept them. Romans chapter 6 verse 14 says this. Listen to this. Once again, the apostle Paul. Sin is no longer your master. For you... No longer live, live under the requirements of the law. 
Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Well then, since God's grace has set you free from the law, does that mean that we can go on sinning? Of course not, it says. Don't you realize you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? Wow. You become the slave of whatever you choose to obey. You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. It's a matter of obedience. Turn to somebody and tell them it's a choice. And you have to make up in your mind every day, I'm going to decide to follow after the Spirit of God. I'm going to obey the Word of God. I'm going to be sensitive to the Spirit of God in my life and choose to be His. You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God. Verse 17, once you were slaves to sin, but now, but now, someone say, but now, I wholeheartedly obeyed this teaching that we have been given you. You wholeheartedly, Paul said, you're obeying the word of God and what you've been taught. Now you are free from the slavery to sin, from your slavery to sin, and you have become slaves to righteous living. You know what the good part about being a slave is? A slave can't be fired. You can't, God can't get rid of you. You belong to him. You belong to him. You're his servant. You see, we're also sons of God. There are many distinctions in our relationship with God. But when he refers to us as a slave to his righteousness, that's a good thing. Even at one point, Paul said, I'm a prisoner in the bonds of love. I would rather be a prisoner in the bonds of God's love than to be in any prison in this world. Prison of sin prison of addiction, prison of hatred, prison of unforgiveness, prison of any. I don't want to be a prisoner of nobody. I have only one warden in my life, and that's Jesus Christ. Let me give you the distinction between religion and relationship because we have to make room for the presence of God. We need to make room and be aware. If there's any of these, if any of these distinctions you can identify with, you may be wrestling with religion. Because religion says on, the, on, the, on your left, my right, religion says, I obey God, therefore I'm accepted. Relationship under a new covenant says, I'm accepted, therefore I obey God. Do you understand the difference? I'm accepted because of the blood of Jesus in my life, therefore I'm going to obey God. Religion says, if I'm good, God would love me. And the relational part of us, which what God intended us to have, says, God loves me because he is good. It's all about what I, can, I can't do. That's what religious says. That's why most people won't come to church, because it's all about what I can't do. But relationship says, it's all about what Jesus did for me. I get to do. What's this right here. Religion is motivated by fear. Relationships motivated by love. What was Peter motivated by? Fear. It's all right. Fear. Religion says, what 
I have to do for God. Oh, I have to do this. I have to do that. But relationship says what I get to do for God. I get to do, not I have to do. I get to come to church. Wow, man. There are people in some countries that wish they can say, I get to go to church. I get to worship God freely. I get, right? I get to sing out loud to God. I get to get into the presence of God with fellow believers. I get to be used by God. I get to serve God in church. I get to serve my brother and sister. I get to be involved in Cares Week. I get to serve in Sunday school. I get to praise and worship. I get to do things that most people don't get to do because, listen to me, I'm going to tell you something. God has been so good to every single one of us, and we could never repay fully the price he paid because if you can think about eternity, I'm telling you, you can never outgive God. How many of you are thankful for what the Lord Jesus has done? If you have a reality check and you know what he's done and you believe in heaven and you understand through the spirit of God that he is real, there's a gratitude that comes bubbling up in your spirit. There's a praise that eventually works his way out of your voice. You know what? Somebody praise him right now. Come on. Come on, church. Somebody praise him and say, thank you, Lord Jesus. Come on. Lord Jesus, you're the Lord and Savior of our life. God, you're everything. You're everything. Religion says you're known by what you're against. Religious people are known by what they're against. But relational people are known by what they're for. We don't want to be known by what we're against here. We want to be known by what we are for. When we deal with situations and try to help people, we're always telling them this. There's a better way. God can give you a power and an ability to overcome any addiction. God can mend any relationship. God can do anything. If you're not getting results, it may be that you've been compartmental. You've been you've been keeping your heart and some of your parts of your heart in reservation. It could be some withholding. Some withholding. There is a process of conversion. I want to give you a cure for religion, and that's this. The cure for religion, because religion says, oh, man, I have to do that, and you keep your heart in reservation. Religion says, oh, I got to give up that, and you keep your heart in reservation. I'm telling you, religion says, no, I'm going to do things my way. Self-willed individuals never completely grow until they fully surrender. And I hate to tell you, we're all self-willed. Self-willed individuals like control. In our nature, I I don't want to get into the psychology because I understand psychology. But there are four types of different personality. And in their nature, all of them are motivated by their fear. The caloric personality likes to have control, and their fear is losing control. The melancholy personality, and I'm using the old verbiage from from the Greek explanation, Hippocrates. (laughs) The melancholy likes to have things organized, and their biggest fear is that things will become chaotic. The sanguine is fearful of not being accepted or liked. Therefore, their fearfulness is 
not being accepted or liked or popular. And the phlegmatic individual is fearful that there would be conflict because they're peacemakers. Therefore, their biggest fear is war, conflict. So they compromise in these areas by fear. Everybody has a different personality, and you're motivated by that. But the Spirit of God comes into your life and gives you something called love that alters your personality. The Spirit of God can alter your personality by giving you the fruits of the Spirit in your life. And when that begins to happen, then there's a cure for that fearful state. Remember, religion is where men try to attempt to please and worship God in his own means. But what he thinks is right. But the cure for religion is true love. A true love for God. Matthew 22, and I'm coming to a close. Matthew 22. Give me just a couple minutes. And 34 says in the New Living Translation. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to question him again. In other words, he was teaching, this is Jesus teaching, and he quieted them, and then they went back and huddled, and they were going to go back and try to trick him again. And so it says, one of them, an expert of religious law, religious law, tried to trap him with his own question, and he said, teacher or rabbi, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must, someone say, you must. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, you must love the Lord your God with a little quarter of your heart. <laughs> An eighth, right? Just the part that likes to have fun on Sundays. You, you understand what I'm saying? We can compartmentalize, I think, am I saying it right? We can only give God a portion of our heart because it's convenient and we're afraid and we think about what we have to give up. It's not about giving up. It's about giving in. That's what it's about. Giving in. I like this. I like this lifestyle. I have this many friends. They do, I don't want to lose my friends. Giving up stuff. It's not about that. It's about making Jesus your number one, your best friend. Let him take care of. He'll give you new friends. And better friends are he'll save the ones that you got already. Have you ever thought about that? God wants to use you to influence your friends so they can live for God too. I mean, we all get happy together in church, right? Let me tell you something. I haven't had a drink of alcohol in over 30 years. I haven't put any kind of a smoke out of my mouth and nostrils in over 30 years. And I've never had a higher high than the Holy Ghost. That's all I'm trying to tell you. I'm happier. I don't wake up with hangovers. I don't know why I'm talking or who I'm talking to. But every time I've been drunk in the spirit, it's because I've worshipped and I've prayed and I've sought him. And I can't get enough because I tasted and saw that he was good. And every time I wake up, there's not a headache. I've got more wisdom. I've got more love. I've got more peace. Is there anybody in this building addicted to the spirit of God? I get wiser. I get smarter. I become a better husband. I become a better father. I become a better pastor. I want to be a better pastor. You understand what I'm saying? All your heart, if you're going to come to church, you might as well go all the way and live for him at home too. <laughs> uh, 
They know people know who you are already. They know you're a good person. They know you love God. You've got the cross on your desk. You got that scripture on the wall. <laughs> Come on, somebody. They already know you might as well prove them right. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, your emotions, and your mind. What you meditate on, what you think about. This is the first and the greatest, the commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Watch this. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Everyone say, he fulfilled it. He would put his law in our hearts through love. True love would diminish religion and fear and make room for God so you can love him and love people. The calling in our life is all about loving God and loving people. As hard as that may seem for you, you cannot possibly love people without God. You cannot possibly be patient with people without God's patience. It's just hard to. I tried. It doesn't work. You can be fake. You can put on a mask. You can just keep your mouth shut. But there's something there that God wants to do to give you the right words and for an opportunity where God wants to reach somebody through your life. When you choose to love God and not reserve it to yourself and love people, now you've become an avenue and made room for God to work in your world. Come on, Haley. Here's what I want to close with. Because God needs your permission to help you. God is standing there in our lives waiting for you and I to invite us in. We always say that God is in control, but let me correct your theology just for a moment. God is not in control of what you haven't surrendered to him. You want to know where that came from? That comes from all the way from the garden. God looked at Adam and said, okay, Adam, I created all of this, the heavens and the earth. It all belongs to me, but I'm going to give it to you now. Now you're in charge of it. You want to see me move? Start acting on it. It belongs to you. Everything. I give you authority over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the beast, over every greenery, over everything, over every metal and precious stone. Everything on the earth belongs to you. Now you go and take dominion. See, Adam was a king. He was the first king. God gave him dominion. He said, take dominion. He had a kingdom. He was a king. And here we are, and under a new covenant, you see, Satan took that authority from him in the garden. God still owns everything here, but Satan takes the, he took the spiritual influence that's in the world. That's why when Jesus came, he and Paul wrote as well, and he said, the God of this world comes. That's why Satan was able to take Jesus to a high mountain and say, if you worship me, I'll give you all these things. Because he owned the spiritual environment. How do you think some people are actually prospering in this world? Having money or being successful is not a means of being right with God. It can be, it can be but that's not the only indication. Be careful. The indication of being right with God is walking with God and being in love with God. But when Jesus came into this world, he came into this world to subdue the devil. 
Because in that garden, in that garden, there was a prophecy that God gave and spoke to Satan and told him, he said, the woman that you deceived, her seed is going to bruise the head to your seed. Go back and read it. That seed we know would be Jesus Christ. And you and I have been given authority to trample over the children of the devil, which the scripture says that there are demons and all over in this world. If you don't believe there's a devil, then why are you at church? We come to God for help, but we have authority over all of those things in our life. See, this is just real talk. If you want a motivational speech, there's a lot of churches that can give you one. But if you need the truth and you need somebody to motivate you and help you and give you clarity on what this Bible really teaches and what the Spirit of God really wants to do, then you got a hunger for it and you got a desire to hear it because when you leave here, you should be able to apply what you know and, 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 and grow and develop. And then you don't have to worry about playing a good defense in this world. You can now step out on a good offense and then watch God begin to move in your family, in your relationships. Anyone in your family, you learn how to pray. You learned how to have the authority that God gave us through the second Adam, which was himself, Jesus Christ. And he came to restore us back to what the first Adam had. And Jesus said that he was the king of kings. The king over those who he has given authority to. You know that the Bible says that you and I are called to be kings and priests. He's made us kings and priests. Well, I'm a king. And the eyes of God, wherever he has placed you, he has given you the right to hold authority and have dominion over your influence and spiritual environment because he is king in your life. And through the kingdom of God, through his spirit, he will work and operate through a relationship. And we are never, ever to have dominion over people. He didn't call us to have dominion over people. He called us to have dominion over things and rule over spirits of darkness. But if the church ever wakes up and realizes how you get delivered from religion is to go and follow after him with all of your heart, embrace the revelation and understanding, and begin to give him permission to come in and help you. Now you can release it and say, Lord, in the name of Jesus, he said, whatever you ask in his name, I'll do. I come against every spirit of addiction. I come against spirits of depression. I come against spirits of lust. I come against spirits of hate. I come against every voodoo and witchcraft that's trying to come against me. Y'all don't know this, do you? There's a lot of witchcraft in the world today. A lot of children and high schoolers and elementary kids are being converted over to that white magic. They call it white. There's nothing white about it. I'm telling you right now, we need to wake up and understand the spirituality of what God has for us. You and I have authority. You and I have dominion. You and I have the power. And we need to make room for God by getting rid of religion and start loving God with all of our heart and loving people with all of our heart and stop disqualifying people because they're not like us. We love everybody only because Jesus loves us. We don't like the sin. We're not going to accept the sin. No one's asking you to sin. What they're saying is Jesus was trying to tell us if I died for you, I died for them. And what the Apostle Paul was trying to tell Peter, listen, 
You remember where you came from? Christ didn't just die for the Jews. He died for the Gentiles. So begin to love them, bring them in, and be the change you want to see in their life. We may not agree on every single thing, but we've got a common denominator called the blood of Jesus that leveled the playing field. Now everybody has a chance to be like him. Everybody has a chance to be like him. I feel an unction and I feel authority in this building right now. I feel there's an alignment happening in this moment. As I'm talking and releasing it, there is conviction coming into the building right now. I feel it. If you feel that and you feel something shifting in the atmosphere, I want you just to stand to your feet if you do. If you don't, that's okay. You can still stand. All I'm telling you here today is God is calling the church to rise up. He's calling us to mature. He's calling us to become mature Christians now and not just leave room for religion. Not leave room for religion because making room for religion limits God. I understand some of you may have been raised a certain way. And you need to honor the things that you were taught that were good. But some things were man-made and some things were God-intended. But at the end of the day, we're supposed to be like Jesus. Have authority over the devil, shun sin, and love people. And exercise our right of influence. Whatever you have need of, you have been given the authority to speak it in the earth. The earth. The earth. And the fullness thereof belongs to God. Everything you need is already in this earth. But the authority that you need to get and to see it transformed is in heaven, in heavenly places. Use your authority and start to speak right now. If you don't know how to, let me just do it with you right now as you begin. Let's just agree and make a decree. If I, As I begin to speak this, let's just begin to speak it together. If you understand and this resonates with you, I just want to teach you how to exercise your authority and faith. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we come against every single thing that hinders my relationship, our relationship, God, with you. Father, in Jesus' name, we just come against all temptation that's been working against us. We are not going to entertain any familiar spirits. We're not going to entertain any devil. We're not going to entertain anything worldly that would cause us to stumble and fall. But we are going to surrender God by your grace. We're going to surrender God to your word. We're going to surrender to your presence. As a husband and wife, if you're standing next to your husband and wife, uh, whatever your fiance, whoever it may be, I want you to agree and hold hands. Brother to brother, sister to sister, I want you to agree right now. We stand together over our home. We're not going to entertain things, dear God, that are going to allow any spirits to come in. We're not going to be religious, God, and just pick and choose, but we are going to, God, become relational. We're not going to date you on Sundays and Wednesdays, but we're going to be married to you, dear God, on every day of our life, and we're going to seek you, and we're going to just worship you in our home. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to worship you. We're not going to become religious religious God and man-made ideas. We're not going to be moved by pure pressure of what other people think, but we want to move into a relationship, God, a covenant agreement 
that we're going to walk in love, that we're going to pursue your presence, that we're going to pray like we need to. We're going to study the word of God and hold it in our hearts. We're going to listen to worship music. We're going to stop God giving in to things that don't have an anointing on it. Lord, give us the ability and the grace to discern what's right and what's wrong and help us God to walk in purity help us to be loyal to you loyal to you dear God loyal to you in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus and if you desire a touch just lift your hands I'm going to pray right now that the spirit of God would descend upon hungry hearts I feel it in my spirit right now if you believe in this kind of stuff it's in the Bible I'm going to just release it right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, let a fire fall right now into every hungry heart. Renew their spirit today. Renew their spirit today, dear God. Let every man and every woman under the sound of my voice, I pray right now, remove, God, the barriers and the limitations. Baptize them in the spirit, dear God. Baptize them in the spirit. Refresh them anew. Come on, lift up your voice. Begin to pray in the spirit. Begin to pray in the spirit. Say, Father, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Weariness, leave this building right now. I command you in the name of the Lord Jesus, and I release a refreshing over this place, a refreshing over this place. Let healing come down right now. Let healing come for the bodies in this building. Let healing and restoration come to every organ. Let there be a removal of depression in every spirit, God, and every spirit of witchcraft and everything, dear God, and every curse and every word and every ideology and all religious spirits, dear God, to be driven away right now out of our lives. In the name of Jesus Christ, we release it right now. We release it right now. We release it right now. We release it right now under the name and the authority of God. We say in Jesus' name, be set free. 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 Peace come. Peace come. Peace come. Now. 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 In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. 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 Now somebody give him a shout of praise right now. 